from Andres Bergen, the acclaimed creator of the popular graphic novel Bullet Gal, comes the retelling of the classic Tristan and Isolde. Tristan Holt turned things on its head and places our heroes in a 70s pulp world. Queenie rules with an iron fist, and when two of her best men are killed, it's up to her niece Trista to find out what happened. Tristan Holt by Andres Bergen. Available online at If Comics. That's If question mark C-O-M-M-I-X. Issues also available at dollardownloads.com. I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the bug that splatters across the windshield of crime. I am Darkwing Duck, and I'm listening to the Canned Air Podcast. How about you? Welcome to another episode of Candare, a tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. And joining us today, we have comic creator Greg Wright of the comic Wild Bullets. Thanks so much for being with us, Greg. Well, thank you so much. I'm, I'm happy to be here and excited about this opportunity. I'm really uh, excited to talk about Wild Bullets. Uh, we only got to see the preview, but what we saw looked uh, really awesome. Yeah, so, yeah, I can't wait to delve into that a little bit later. Uh, we're going to be uh, this week's Retro Roundtable talking about our favorite movies. So I don't, we couldn't really think of a main topic to sti- stick to, so uh, favorite movies, why yeah. not? Yeah. And uh, then we'll be talking about comics, of course, to our weekly hero, and then we'll be turning our attention over to Greg Wright. So let's just kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. And here we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Favorite movies. Who would like to start? I have to start and say that and this is totally unfair because I have so many favorite movies. <laughs> I, you know, uh, it's hard for me to choose any one because uh, I'll use a movie reference. It's like Sophie's Choice. How do I how do I choose uh, the one that I, I love the most or what have you? Right. Um, I, I thought long and hard about this and. And I wanted to say one that was not too obvious. So I, I figured I'll do one of the favorite ones that I had growing up that doesn't really get a lot of play these days. I mean, obviously I love Star Wars, but it's like you can't, you know, you can't throw a brick. <laughs> it's so Star funny Wars. you say that because I almost put the stipulation on this favorite movie except for Star Wars. <laughs> I was joking <laughs> around with the idea of being like, yep, Star Wars, my favorite movie. <laughs> get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm going to go with one that I think is also kind of like pretty mainstream and pretty popular and everything like that, but uh, doesn't not a lot of people are talking about it these days. So I'm going to throw out Beetlejuice. I really, oh, really, really yeah. love it. That is uh, a great movie. I haven't seen it for so long. Say it one more time, he appears. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were supposed to uh, be what, in developments of a sequel for that movie, right? Yeah, where he goes to Hawaii and surfs. Well, <laughs> that was the one that was going to be made, but then did not see the light of day, thank God. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> Beetlejuice, goes what a Hawaii. great movie. What's that? Beetlejuice goes Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it was supposed to be, but they, uh, yeah, they put the kibosh on that, thank God. We have a video where we've been working on. We kind of fell by the wayside for a little while, but we're still working on getting it on YouTube that is uh, very heavily Beetlejuice- Influenced. Oh, I didn't know where you were going with that, and then yeah, yeah, it so. is. 
They gave the, the the inspiration for the video is from Beetlejuice. Yeah, so uh, oh, yeah. all will be made clear once that is yeah. out. When it'll be out, we can't say, but <laughs> <laughs> soon, soon. Anyway, I'm so sorry. Continue. Why is uh, Beetlejuice your favorite? Well, I, I think it's just because it's such a fully realized sort of whole, not just world, but like a whole world view. Like, this is what happens after you die and this is you know it's this horrible bureaucratic which i feel like if there's if there's any kind of predictor of what happens after we die i feel like it's got to be this sort of cynical bureaucratic waiting room kind of a thing <laughs> oh yeah i mean i think that's what we got to look forward to i mean just like life right right um, and, and i just i just really like that you know it could have this this crazy off the wall just vibe you know i mean it's in the music it's in the set design it's in the dialogue it's in it's in everything it's just it's fun and it's goofy and it's cynical um all without ever really feeling i mean beetlejuice is you know he's kind of a bad guy but he's not really that bad of a guy uh i mean i'd hang out with him you know and uh i like that the movie is pokes fun of just about everybody but it never really feels mean about how it does it plus it's like a a horror comedy and I, i always really like horror comedy yeah, absolutely, and there aren't a whole lot of them out there, really, are He's, there? Nah, I don't, I don't think so. He's kind of like the the friend that you like to go to his house, but you don't want to come over because then he'd never leave. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but exactly. when you're at his house, you can be like, "All right, man, well, I had enough of you. I'm gonna go." Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Well, and in fact, that's kind of like the other one that I was considering, which is also a horror comedy. I was thinking about Army of Darkness, and I mean, Ash is cool, but yeah, you wouldn't want Ash over at your house, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, everything's sawed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You wouldn't want him sitting on the couch. You'd, like, chainsaw it off and everything. <laughs> wow, is this real suede? <laughs> oh, Accidentally cool. brought the Evil Dead back. <laughs> <laughs> Are you excited about the, uh, what was it, the Ash and Army of Darkness TV show? Or oh, I saw the pilot. I really, really liked it. That's definitely on my wavelength. Not enough on my wavelength that I'm going to subscribe to Stars. I was going to say, it's on a subscription service, too. That yeah. sucks. No. Yeah. No, yeah. thank you. It'll but find its way up. to Netflix. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll catch up with it then. But uh, I love it. You know, right down to the Michigan State references because I'm an alum there. And uh, there you go. Very I cool. actually studied under. Uh, I taught a class with Bill Vincent, who's good friends with uh, Sam Raimi, and he's he was in Army of Darkness as like the, the wizard guy. And uh, really. Yeah, yeah, he's standing in the back. And he, he used to do cameos in a lot of Sam Raimi's stuff, but then they both got busy. And, um, yeah, I think the last one he was in was, like, for the love of the game, I want to say. But, uh, yeah, it was cool. I got to teach a film class with him. Uh, just kind of a weird uh, – that's, that's, like, that's, like, the most pathetic name-dropping ever. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all I about the name-dropping here. these wordless cameos in this other guy's movies that – and not even the movies that are all that popular. <laughs> I know the brother of the craft service guy that's not moving. One time we ate ham together. <laughs> Very cool. Well, what about you, Jack? Favorite movies? Princess Bride is one of them. Ooh, that's a good one. Anytime yeah. I come across that on the TV guide, I'll stop and watch it. Yeah. Inconceivable. Yeah. <laughs> you killed my father. Prepare to die. Yeah. We were watching, oh, what was it, a movie the other day? You know how the Dread Pirate Dread Pirate Roberts was actually Wesley, 
and they had just passed on the mantle. We were watching a movie that that same kind of thing happened, and uh, I was like, no one likes the, no one would be afraid of the Dread Pirate uh, Wesley. <laughs> we're sitting there cracking up. There's so many like one-liners in that movie that oh yeah just oh, brings it back. Yeah, the one the one that I quote the most is uh, you know I'll say it rhyme like accidentally and then I'll say stop rhyming right now I mean it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. One of my favorite parts of the movie is towards the end when Inigo Montoya is fighting the six finger guy mm-hmm. or the six fingered man, and uh, after he has him, he's just like. Tell me, tell me you'll give me anything I want. And he's like, just don't kill me. I'll give you riches, power, whatever you want. And he's like, I want my father back and stabs him. <laughs> There's something about that part of the movie. I'm just like, oh, puts chills down. Yeah, I love that line on it. I'd have to say if I had to pick an all time favorite is the first Jurassic Park. I mean, going right back to what you just said about any time you see it, you just have to watch it all the way through. Mm. I'm the same way with that movie. I can't tell you how many times I've seen it, but if I ever catch it, I stop and watch it. And it's always just as fun. I love that movie. The music in that movie, like the main theme song, there's something about that theme song that, like when the Jurassic World came out and they started playing that, it's just like, oh. Yeah, it's, we used to play that in a concert band when I was in high school about the same time that was coming out shortly after, and, uh. Oh yeah, that's that score definitely has a special place in my heart. But another, aside from that, look at the other movies that came out the same time Jurassic Park did, and compare the special effects. To this day, Jurassic Park I think holds up to uh, current special effects that are out there. It just still looks real. So Austin Powers <laughs> came around that time. What's that? Austin Powers. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> I don't remember what was on the other day. That was, uh, maybe it was like Mars Attacks or something. That was uh, a horrible movie. Oh, I love that movie. It came out about the same time, I think, and the graphics were horrible. <laughs> Not that it was uh, Steven Spielberg or anything yeah. uh, caliber uh, production, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Love it that It looks movie. a lot stiffer. Uh, I, I I read something the other day that said that in the first Jurassic Park there was only like twelve minutes of dinosaurs, and I'm like that doesn't seem right. But I suppose if you go back, I mean a lot of it really is just like the atmospherics of it that you don't really see the dinosaurs all that much in that movie. That's true. And I think that's yeah. part of the magic of it, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like when you're writing a song. You know, when you get a good hook, you don't want to put it in the song you know three times max if you put it in there five times it becomes boring only give them a little bit and they'll keep, keep coming, coming back yeah. for it <laughs> other favorite movies I got one that it'll never get old I've seen it so many times The Fifth Element you know everyone loves that movie and I've never been able to really get into it No, oh, I love that movie I don't know what it is maybe it's Chris Chris Tucker's part <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I crack up so bad at him in that movie, but I can't stand. I can't stand him in that movie. But the rest of it, every time it's on, they go right to it. Even if it's in the middle of the middle of the movie, go boom. right to it. Yep, hmm. it's like I didn't miss a beat. Another one I absolutely love is uh, the Fugitive. Harrison Ford's The Fugitive. Mm. I only saw that oh. once when it first came to VHS. Yeah, well, when it first came out, I was like hooked on it and. All these years later, another one of those movies I can always just watch from front to back. I love that movie. I could probably watch, like, on a loop, The Big Lebowski. Like, that could just... Oh, all that was off. on my list, yep. <laughs> well played, yeah. yes. Great movie. The I, I mean, just 
it's it's another one is it's eminently quotable and i love oh, to introduce people to it and i feel like you know the first the first time i saw it i felt like i didn't get it and i watched again i'm like i think i get a little bit more but i still don't get it and even now it's like uh, you know i know the beats of the movie and i'm still like this is so why do it this way this is so weird but uh perfect somehow yeah, I know exactly what you mean. The first time I watched it, I watched it just to see what the hype was about. And when it was done, I I wasn't overly impressed. But it was like two days later that the movie just it just kept popping into my head. <laughs> and I kept thinking of all these parts that were funny to the point where I went and watched it again and fell in love with it. I tried to explain it to like a, a friend of mine. I was like, hey, you should see this movie. What's it about? Uh, I, I have no idea what the movie's actually about. <laughs> Right, right. Guy pees on someone's rug. Yeah. Donnie's in a identity. can and he gets blown away. Yeah. 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 For a long time, I was just like, why did Donnie have to die? It doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the movie. And I'm like, but no, that's, that's part of the beauty of it is that it, it doesn't do like what other movies do. You know, It's just life occurring. It's just because of yeah. Vietnam. Yeah, just there's so many <laughs> flea being in the uh, that that German pop band yeah. or whatever, and uh, John Goodman and Jeff Bridges together, they were priceless. Yeah. And oh, yeah. adding Steve Buscemi to that, shut up, Donnie. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. <laughs> I am the walrus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, he's crack up real hard when he's driving in the car, lighting his uh, joint. And it falls in his lap. Oh, he yeah. starts burning him, and he just crashes into that uh, dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crack up man. so hard on that part. What a great movie! What else we got? The Goonies. Oh, that was on over the weekend. Was it? I actually watched it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen the uh, deleted ending? No. The alternate oh, yeah. ending with the octopus. Yeah. What? Yeah, and when they're in the cave with the pirate ship, there's a big octopus. That'd have been cool. I don't think I've ever seen it, but I just know about it. Wow! No, no it's, it 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 doesn't make any sense. They like put a Walkman on the on the octopus and it like jams out and everything. It's totally a very different tone from the rest of the whole movie. It doesn't make any sense. The '80s, man. I mean, what yeah. can you say? <laughs> The 80s. But yeah, they had to work a Walkman in somehow, right? <laughs> yeah, because I'm sure an octopus that's guarding an uh, old pirate ship hidden in a cave is going to have a Walkman on. Yeah. Good so times. Uh, I guess another one of my favorite would be, let's see, which one to choose here? Toy Story, I guess. I always It's a reoccurring favorite for me on the show, but the Toy Story movies are about perfection to me. Mm-hmm. Make me yeah. feel like a kid again. I only ever saw the first one. Yeah, I know. And, you know, I remember uh, like a long time ago on the show, we were talking about this and you're like, you know what? I'm going to go watch those yeah, this I did. weekend. <laughs> and I said, Still, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> Still haven't gotten to it. I watched the, uh, was it the Halloween special? That was, I didn't know it was lame. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. There's a lot of toys. I didn't know who they were. So you're, you're yeah, behind. Yeah. You got to catch up. I remember when the first one came out. The- now, where I think the third one is the best, I really like Toy Story three. Oh boy, I didn't even—I've never thought about my uh, favorite of the three. Three was amazing. They were all amazing. It's hard to compare them to each other. It's one thing that's fun is to watch the uh, animation improve mm-hmm. over time through the movies. Like just looking at uh, Buzz and Woody in the first movie compared to the third. Big difference. The environment, mm-hmm. the way people look, 
big difference. They made the characters look like the people look better? Uh, Just everything around them. Um, It's hard to explain. You you remember, like, the very first Pixar little short that came out? I think it was The Lamp, or or no, it was called Tin Tin Soldier, Tin Toy, or something. It's just about a little toy, a little five-minute adventure of a toy in a room, a little wind-up tin toy. But the environment's very, though it looks cool, computer animation, it's very simplistic. Mm. And that's kind of how Andy's room was compared to what it became in the later movies. All right. Just working within their technological capabilities. Does that make sense? There's more memory to make more stuff. (laughs) There you go. In a nutshell. Maybe textured, more textured? Yes, absolutely. Like, like for instance, the bedspread wasn't just a, a bumpy... You know, flat surface. Actually, see the quilting in it and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You could actually see the stitching, for yeah. instance, in the later movies. Where in the first one, I mean, you saw the bumps of the quilt, but it was very smooth. And does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. I'm sorry, listeners, if I'm confusing the <laughs> hell out of everyone. I hope you understand what I'm saying. I remember watching the first Toy Story at a friend's house. They just had a baby, so they had some of the toys that were actually in the movie. Mm-hmm. So we were sitting there watching it, and I looked down on the floor, and I was like, hey, look, that's a fire truck they got on it. And I, maybe it wasn't the fire truck, but it was one of the toys that one were in the, the movie. The RC car, maybe. One of my... Uh, this doesn't even relate to the movie directly. I remember hearing Tom Hanks say before that he was... He got on an elevator at a hotel or something, and in the elevator was a, a father and a very young daughter. And the daughter had a Woody doll with her. And the guy was like, oh, hey, you know, you're Tom Hanks. And the guy's like, and Tom Hanks like, yeah, yeah, that is me. And, you know, just in talking, took the Woody doll, autographed it, and handed it back to the little girl. He said the little girl looked at the doll, looked at him like, who the hell are you? And like, (laughs) why did you draw over my Started weeping like. She, you know, she didn't care that it was Tom Hanks. This was her Woody doll. This was that's all she cared about was that toy. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. But anyway, I guess that'll do it for uh, talking favorite movies. And I know you have more, uh, Greg. And trust me, with the retro roundtable, we don't touch on just one topic once. Twenty minutes isn't enough to cover no, our favorite yeah. movie. So this <laughs> subject will come back up. But maybe we'll save it for next time you're back on the show. <laughs> oh yeah, I've, I've, I've got more. I, I'm in my basement and I have movie posters up. I'm like I could steal from anything on the wall. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Surrounded by inspiration. Very cool. I'll bring back the fifth element next time. Okay. <laughs> you do that. Still, still like that movie. <laughs> I'm still talking Toy Story over here. <laughs> All right. With that, let's just get into the, this week's comic dump bin. All right. So for uh, people who don't know what we do during this segment, we just go around the table, each talking about a comic we've read in the, uh, in the past. Can be new, can be old, can be anything you want. So who would like to start this week? I'll go first. Go first. Another gem from Comic Bento. Dean Koontz's Fear Nothing. Wow, really? Yeah. I didn't know Dean Koontz uh, had graphic novels. I don't. I didn't look into it. I probably should have to see if it wasn't a novel put oh, into graphic novel. I see. Because it is very. There's not a lot of like dialogue. I mean, there's some in there, but most of it is like his narrating to himself. I thought this and that and the other and this uh, so okay. here like that. But <laughs> very yeah. lonely guy. <laughs> yeah, it's about a guy named Christopher Snow. He has 
uh, some kind of disease where, like, the UV from any light will slowly deteriorate his skin. I, I don't know if it's a real condition or not, but he basically has to stay in dark all the time. I've heard of uh, people with that condition. They can only go outside at night because the slightest bit of sun will yeah. uh, really hurt their skin. And miraculously, with that disease, he's made it to be 28. His mom passed away suddenly when he was younger, and in the beginning of the book, he's at home just hanging out in the candlelight, staring at his dog. The phone starts ringing, and he knows who's on the other end of the phone. It's the hospital calling to say his dad is about to pass away because he's in the hospital with cancer right now. Mm. So he goes to the hospital, you know, goes to see his dad. Can't think of what to say for his last, you know, last thing to say to his dad and his dad passes away. Corner comes in, they take his dad away. He starts to leave the hospital. They're like, you sure you don't want to see him one more time? He's like, no, I saw him. I'm good. Goes to leave, realizes that he has a picture of him and his dad that his dad's wishes were to have that with him when he cremated so he goes running back to the hospital, ends up coming up to a couple of guys that are unloading a body from a truck, and they're talking about, who's this guy? Oh, he was just known. He was a vagrant. No one's going to miss him. So they swap his dad's body with this unknown person, and he ends up following, trying to find what's going on and why his dad's body was taken. Wow. Yep. Kind of dark. Yeah. I was I was surprised. I was. I almost stopped reading it because it was so narrative heavy I guess not a lot of dialogue going on but I kept with I got about halfway through it well if it's based on a novel you know there's going to be a lot of reading in there. <laughs> yeah that's I mean with Dean Coote's name on there I was yeah. like hmm yeah, he's a talky guy in his in his fiction and everything you know right. uh, I often feel like if you weren't Dean Coote somebody else would be like look you gotta edit this down <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's Fear Nothing by Dean Koontz from Dynamite. Very cool. And that was in your comic bento, you said? Yep. All right. Greg, would you like to go next, or would you like me to go next? It doesn't matter. I'll go, I'll go next. Uh, I've been uh, recently trying to catch up with uh, with Red Sonia, and it's a character that I've, I've liked for a long time, and I'm reading the, the Gail Simone stuff, and I'm also going back to the stuff from the 70s, like the, that came out of the Marvel's Conan the Barbarian series. Oh, okay. uh, and it's just it's it's a lot of fun and you know it's just neat to see her you know beating guys up i like the conan stories and they're sort of similar to those the conan stories but they do their own thing in terms of um you know the the tone is a little bit different and they're a little bit funnier on the whole i think uh and it's 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 rewarding plus you know it's a redhead in a metal bikini running around killing guys so oh yeah how could you lose you can't. Right. Yeah. There's only can't. winners in that equation. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she is uh, definitely easy on the eyes. Yeah. And I don't care how dirty or whatever she gets. <laughs> She's okay in my book. Always, always, I kind of do that with characters. Like, I'll go on, like, a binge where I'll just, you know, absorb and devour, like, whole sections of, of them, uh, you know, just book after book after book. And... Right now, I'm, I'm on a Red Sonja kick. <laughs> we had, uh, I don't remember who it was, someone on the show a while back mentioned Red Sonja, and I had never heard of it, so I uh, got online and started looking at, looking her up. And, I think wow. it was Ruben Romero from Think Alike Productions. Yeah, she, <laughs> I, I'd like to have her poster on my wall. 
It was like the vampire. Yeah. Anybody not, if anybody oh, else yeah. has not heard of Red Sonia, definitely, you know, she's got my got my thumbs up. Go and check them out. They're they're pretty cool, uh, especially the stuff that like that Dynamite's doing right now because Gail Simone, I felt I feel like is really built to write this character. You know, with the stuff that she's done with Secret Six, it's very much in that kind of a vein of mercenaries who crack jokes and wild stuff going on and it's, it's a lot of fun red sonia yeah that, that was on uh you said dynamite yeah yeah uh the old stuff is is marvel but then uh it got bought out by by dynamite they own it's uh she also did a, a crossover with conan uh that she and jim zub wrote together where it's like all these different um meetings throughout their lives I read that one too, uh, where it's Conan and Red Sonia together, because she's spawned off of, you know, she's a spinoff from that comic series, and then it kind of put them back together. Hmm. So she's she's like the uh, Xena warrior princess to the Kevin Sorbo Hercules yeah. kind of. Yep. Yes, it is it is almost exactly that same dynamic, and even a similar tone to uh, to the, to those shows as well. See, I thought Xena uh, was hot too. Mm-hmm. Like a sidekick. <laughs> sidekick got in a lot of trouble though. Yeah. <laughs> As they do. What sidekicks are for. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like when Robin gets referred to as the boy hostage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got to have someone to save, I suppose, right? Yeah, somebody you got to talk to somebody, and you got to you know move the plot forward with somebody being kidnapped all the time. Superman's got Lois Lane. Batman's got Robin. It's so annoying, though, how often Lois Lane gets into trouble. It's yeah. like, oh, my God, again with Lois. Jeez. <laughs> all right. Well, very cool. Was that, I'm sorry, was that all you had to say? Yeah, yeah that's, that's, I'm good. I'm I didn't good. want to interrupt you. Oh, I'm, I'm totally rude. I will let you know if I have more I need to say. I'll interrupt you. I'll be like, well, let me tell you something else. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. All right. Well, I guess my offering this week is it's another comic from the uh, fabled five for a dollar dump bin I've been going on about for weeks. But hey, I mean, I came home with like a almost like a two foot (laughs) stack of comics. I got to read them. I found an old Flash comic book that says right across the top now monthly. So this came out in 1976. This issue did. So they 1976, they started going out monthly, I take hmm. it. <laughs> yeah, uh, 30 cents on it. I, has a, I love the look of these old comic books. Yeah. Pretty cool looking, isn't it? Oh, it's got a tin hat flash on it, too. Oh, yeah. This was a good story. I was taken by this. I've never really sat down and read a Flash comic, I don't think. So uh, I wanted to check this out. And what happens in this? Have you ever heard being a Flash aficionado yourself of the villain Abracadabra? No, I want to say they had him on the show recently, but didn't call him that. Really? Yeah. He's like a magician from the future where it's just he's using technology, but it looks like magic to us, right? Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. So in this issue, he pulls Flash that we know from Earth-1 to the future starts a battle with him to where this the flash starts doing this move where he puts his arms out like a t straight out next to him and starts spinning really really fast and abracadabra runs into the spinning and just poof like is evaporated just to a million atoms just looks like he was killed so the people of what was it 6376 
see the Flash as a murderer and they lock him away in a prison. A really cool prison, uh, like a cell that's made to match any kind of any like uh, ferocity he throws at it, mm-hmm. so he can never like get through it. It always right. bounces back at him. You can't vibrate through the walls, right? So anyway, what has happened is, in fact, Abracadabra has not been killed. He covered himself in this goo that has some kind of like a nanite in it that once hit with that magnitude that the Flash hit him with sent him back in time to the time the Flash came from, 1976. (laughs) Bear with me. (laughs) (laughs) So when he gets back to 1976, our time, he's noticing, he's thinking, okay, the Flash is gone. He's imprisoned for my murder in my time. I can do whatever I want here. And when he gets there, he sees there's a whole new Flash, like uh, being honored in a parade, saving people. Looks a little different. He's got the flat tin hat, you mm-hmm. know. What, what was his name? Uh, Jay Garrick. Jay Garrick, yes, thank you. And he's like, what's going on? How can this be possible? Well, what he doesn't know, that he was accidentally zapped to Earth 2. Mm-hmm. So, the, uh, the Flash we know and love found his way out of the cell. I'm not, well, it, it'd be too long to tell you how. He, he figured out a way out, as we all knew he would. And uh, he was able to get back to Earth 2, 1976. And he and uh, the, what is it, the Silver Age, Golden Age Flash, Mm -hmm. together stopped Abracadabra. Nice. I know it sounds confusing, but... uh, That's that's like a perfect (laughs) 70s comic plot right there, where it's just like, which part of what doesn't make sense makes the least sense? (laughs) (laughs) It was a blast, though. You don't, uh, they don't... These books just stand out from what's out today. Everything today takes itself so seriously. And um, this was just a fun, you know, well-contained story. Doesn't, you don't have to buy ten more issues I was gonna say, to it's figure all out what's one, going on. Yeah, it's, just it's contained. One episode nook in a, yeah. uh, inside the cover. Exactly. Oh, I, I love that about those old Flash comics. Uh, they eventually did do some, like, longer serialized storytelling in the 80s, but, like... All through the the 50s and 60s and 70s, it's just it's just pure fun. Where there might be like recurring characters or whatever, but it's just it's so happy and upbeat and goofy. And he, he comes up with these silly answers that make absolutely no sense. But you're like, ah, oh, I'll let him, I'll let it pass because he's the Flash. He's got to be quick, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. Going back to, I mean, you're talking his uh, his explanations and his ideas don't always make sense. The way he got out of that cell, he threw a chair at the wall, which created a different uh, vibration than he was producing. So he was able to slip out in between the, between the vibration nice. of the chair and himself. It was oh. it was clever. Makes not a lot of sense, but clever. That makes sense. It makes total sense. <laughs> what doesn't make sense is why give the Flash a chair? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, well. It was entertaining nonetheless. So it's crazy. In '76, they're talking about nanite technology. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they didn't go in depth in it. They just—I think—they just said the word nanite or something, yeah. m- microbots or something in this goo that was all over him. Which I thought that in itself was kind of odd. Just gotta cover myself in glue, glue and or goo and go through time, like. But whatever. Well, I think that'll do it for the comic dump bin. So. Let's just move right into 
Real World Heroes. Jack, who do we have this week? We have Ina Koenig from Hanover, Germany. And what has Ina done to deserve a spot on our world of justice? Back in 2015, I'm not sure when, but I think it was last year, uh, she took a bunch of kids, like 39 other children, from the St. Nikolai Kindergarten on a field trip to, I think they went to a forest or something like that. It wasn't just her and 39 other people. There was other teachers and stuff there. But while exploring, there was a hole in between a bunch of trees that a little kid, I can't remember his age, I think he wanted to be around six or something like that, fell into. And it was, ah, shoot, it was a pretty deep, I want to say it was like 40 feet down. Jeez. Something like that. It ended up being a an old mine shaft light tunnel. Oh, Okay. And they, they tried, I guess they tried filling it up, but it was just too deep. So they just took some wood, covered, covered it, it up. up. The wood had rotted and it was just left open. But after that kid fell down in there, she didn't think twice, jumped in directly after him. And it, luckily it was filled with water. And she ended up holding him, you know, hold on roots, holding him above water and kept him from, you know, getting hypothermia. Wow. Hypothermia. They pretty much said that. He survived because of her body heat keeping him warm. And they ended up getting firefighters out and pulled them up. And they, they made it without any real serious injuries. Wow. I'd like to think I could I would do the same thing if a child was down there. But nonetheless, I mean, that's, that's a lot of courage to summon. To think about it is like some hole that's as wide as my body. This was like four foot wide, I guess. Ooh. So it was, it was pretty wide but and very deep. Okay. But just to jump in, not knowing what's down there, and so it was a narrow hole. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe four feet I, is pretty. Yeah. Maybe I couldn't have gone down. I'm claustrophobic. I would have. <laughs> out of my way, kid! Get me the hell out of here! But she said it wasn't heroism or anything. Probably anyone else would have done it. I call it heroism. I don't know. How good was this kid? Was it a good kid? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's what you get, Timmy. You should have yeah, stayed like, in line. Class clown never ends well. <laughs> <laughs> and what was her name again? Uh, Ina Koenig. And for that, Ina, you have found a spot on a wall of justice. In the Hall of Heroes. So keep jumping down those holes and saving those boys. Someone's got to, right? Yeah. <laughs> what a stupid thing to say. Yeah, that's a great slogan. That is a great slogan. I'm, I'm going to leave it, though. I'm just going to leave it. <laughs> all right. Well, with all that behind us, let's just turn our full attention over to Greg Wright and talk about Wild Bullets. Thanks again for being with us. Well, thank you. I, and I'm, I'm really happy to be here. And uh, I'm so excited to talk about Wild Bullets. Uh, it is, as you were saying, it's a standalone story. This is the kind of thing that you like. You don't need to read 18 other issues. It's a one-shot. Nice. Uh, and uh, it's put out by the Michigan Comics Collective. And it has different artists. And basically the shtick is that a different artist takes over for each member of the Bullet family. And when they take turns telling the story, a different artist takes over in a different style and a different genre. So you have the four main bullet siblings who all grew up to become different kinds of pulp adventurers. One's a detective, one's a mad scientist, one's an archaeologist, and one is a monster hunter. And so each of those sections has its own genre. So you got a crime section, a sci-fi section, an adventure section, and a horror section. And they all go to their parents' house for Thanksgiving, which is perfect that we're talking about this in November. 
and hey, uh, there you go. there's a murder, as happens at many family Thanksgivings. <laughs> <laughs> or if it doesn't, maybe it should. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so they have to figure out who who is behind the murder of the maid, who's out to kill them, how will they find a way to work together, and you get a little bit of backstory about each of them. And they each represent, like I said, these different pulp genres. Even their parents uh, represent pulp genres. The dad's an old war hero, and the mom is a masked cowgirl for no real reason other than... <laughs> other she than it's fun. Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. <laughs> they, they know who she is, but she's got a mask on. <laughs> she has an image, like uh, Elvis Costello or something. You, yeah. Know? Yeah. you take Elvis Better. Costello's hat and glasses away, you He's never know who he yet. was. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or Elton John's glasses, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. His teeth. That, that gap true. in those teeth, that's a giveaway. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And um, let me give, I want to give a little shout-out to the artists. Uh, you've got Sean Siegel doing the gritty crime stuff in Steve Bullock's section. You've got Jason Jimenez uh, doing the action-adventure Indiana Jones-type stuff with Kelly Bullock's section. And you got Steve Shar doing this classic retro sci-fi look for Archie Bullet, and then Joe Frere wraps it all up with Minerva Bullet in doing this kind of uh, horror comedy manga style uh, monster stuff, and it's all uh, colored and lettered by Sarah Souls. Uh, oh yeah, no, Sarah. We know her. Book. It's 35 pages. And people, people everywhere seem to really, really like this book. Uh, it's, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, and it, uh, it definitely threw me for a loop. Now, mind you, I only uh, have read the preview, but Wild Bullets, I was, I didn't know what to expect. It mm. sounded just kind of like a, like a Western kind of uh, yeah. feel to it. But then to find out that the family's last name is Bullet, I was like, oh man, this, <laughs> the title has a whole new meaning. But uh, yeah, the artwork that we were able to see in the preview was beautiful. Both uh, the intro and going into Steve Bullitt's part there gets into like a very uh, Sin City kind of looking yes. yep. feel yeah. to it, but much cleaner. I, I preferred it over Sin City, actually. <laughs> it's kind of gritty. It's kind of grimy. And those those opening intro pages are also done by Steve Shar. And what I think of is he's just got this very classic comic book style. I don't know really how to describe it. It's just got this very clean, comic booky look to it. And uh, I, I've written a, a follow-up to this one that takes place at Christmas. And, you know, you get to see the Bullet family again, and it should be a lot of fun. I haven't sent that out to the artists yet, but I'm, I'm going to any time now. And I'd like to also tell a New Year's, New Year's Eve story and then collect all of them and call it like Homicide for the Holidays or something like that. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, they're all That's trigger happy name. and they all have guns and they're all, you know, blaring and blasting, just like the old pulp stuff. Right. And the the first, you know, sort of the only rule that I stick by is, the, you know, the genres can mix, characters can clash and all that stuff, but I just, I wanted to keep true to the spirit of pulp and just have it very fast-paced just very action-oriented stuff is always, always happening. Where does the idea for Wild Bullets even originate? Well, I thought it would be really cool to do, like, uh, tell this story where you could skip genres and skip artists and move around. And I thought it might be good to do, like, an issue for each of the characters and then have it all come together in, like, a fifth issue 
but then I had this opportunity with the, the comics collective where they were saying, okay, we're going to do some one shots. I'm like, oh, I've got a great idea. I can condense it down and condensing it down actually does it a lot of favors because then you don't get too tired of anybody. You know, it's, oh, just, yeah. you, it's almost like channel changing. Like, okay, every eight pages, oh, here's another section of story to just have fun with and go nuts with. I cannot wait to see the rest of the art in this book. Uh, just the first two styles we've seen are amazing, so that's going to be very exciting. Yeah, you can only get this digitally now. It's available, Wild Bullets is available at drive Through Comics and at Comixology. Uh, we sold out of our print run, so... Wow, uh, hey... Yeah, well, there are no more copies that people can, can buy unless they're going to, you know, I guess shank somebody for their own copy or something. <laughs> Sounds like you're doing something uh, right then. Yeah, yeah, it's really exciting. And so, yeah, we are going to have a whole new print run coming out um, probably in February of, of next year. And uh, so it's, it's, it's really exciting that it's being so well received and that people are getting into it and everything like that. And we just sold out at the, um, what was it, at, at Fantasticon in Mount Clemens this oh, past nice. weekend. Uh, not this past week, the weekend before, but um, yeah, and I'm going with uh, those guys and Source Point Press guys to the Days of the Dead Con in Chicago this upcoming weekend. And we're going to have copies, advanced copies for another comic I wrote called Monstrous. And can I, can I talk a little bit about Monster? Oh, yeah, go right ahead. I'm curious. All right, sweet. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I ought to ask permission because it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> no, no, that's what this is we all about. A, we had a deal here, right? <laughs> <laughs> but what Monstrous is, is it's a four-issue miniseries uh, where, again, each issue is its own self-contained story. And Monstrous is set in Frankenstein's Europe, so it's like kind of a steampunk vibe. And in it, you've got uh, monsters, obviously, and you've got steam-powered robots fighting each other like it's the Old West, except, oh, wow, you know, cowboys and Indians, you got robots and monsters fighting. And uh, the basic premise for it is that Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein made his monster that's famous, and he learned he couldn't control it. And then Frankenstein's monster went out and made more monsters. And so Dr. Frankenstein tried to create robots because he figured he could control them better. And so there's this whole landscape, like I said, where they're all fighting. But it's not really about either of those characters. It's about, like, the smaller people, everyday people who are sort of caught up in the in the struggle of all of this. And each one gets its own story. And it's, like, like I said, it's like the Old West in more ways than one because all the plots are taken from old John Wayne movies, John Wayne Westerns. Oh, but, neat. Uh, put into this crazy, weird vibe. So the first issue is, like, is kind of like True Grit. There's a little girl... And she's trying to track down her father's killer. She hires a six-foot-tall rabbit monster to uh, track down the snake monster that killed her father. And they've got, you know, blasting rays and robots fighting each other and explosions and all this crazy wild stuff. Uh, And very quickly, you learn that, okay, well, the good guys aren't really all that good and the bad guys aren't really all that bad. Instead, everybody's just a little bit monstrous. Hence the title. (laughs) And... uh, the art for that is done by Ken Lamug, who is an award-winning artist out of Las Vegas. And the book just looks so gorgeous. Uh, those are going to be released one a month starting in February, so February, March, April, May. And I'm so excited to show people this book because it's just so cool and fun and funny and weird. 
and uh, I'm, I'm really, really psyched about this. Uh, it so sounds really cool. It does. And, you know, we've, uh, a lot of the people we've had on, it seems like monster uh, stories are really coming back. Yeah. Like, uh, lar- they're very large and in charge right now. <laughs> It's funny you say that because I also have another monster comic that's going to be coming out that's next year uh, called Last Monster Standing. And the basic pitch for that one is the giant monsters invade Tokyo and then they get their own reality show. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> and the artist on this is Eric Reichenbach, who's been on Survivor twice. So he's kind of got this whole reality show Survivor cachet. Oh, yeah. And so you've got, like, a character. They all have regular human names, like Kyle and Bryce. And, <laughs> and but, you know, there's one that's, like, uh, you know, King Ghidra. There's one that's, like, Godzilla. There's one that's, like, Gamera, you know, the, the rocket turtle. <laughs> oh, wow. And they're all fighting, and they all, like, talk to the camera and stuff. And they're like, you know, oh, I'm not here to make friends and everything. <laughs> <laughs> And it's 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 goofy and it's a it's a lot of fun and I'm I'm excited about that too. So yeah, I'm, I know I'm talking I'm all over the place right now. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. We we love it. So when and where are these going to be available? Um, at like I said, it comes out in uh, Monstrous. We're, for the first issue of Monstrous is coming out in February. February. And it's going to be mostly uh, in regional stuff. Although we will. We will ship it to any any store, and we're always looking to expand our our network of stores. This is from SourcePoint Press, so you can buy it directly from the SourcePoint Press website, or you could buy it digitally. It'll be available through Drive Through Comics and Comicsology, as well as, like I said, you can buy it from uh, SourcePoint Press's website. Uh, but we are always looking to expand with more retailers. So if you know a comic book person, that will really help us out to spread the word to say like look we want to order this we want to have copies at our store if it's if it's anywhere that i can drive to i'll drive to your store (laughs) you know i'll help promote it Uh, yeah there's some uh stores here around columbus mm -hmm. um i know last year at uh, SpaceCon, there was some uh source point press people over there josh warner was there right yep yep yeah yep you, uh, you ought to come down the next time. Uh, this Was this April? Are they doing it again? I'm not sure when it is this Something year like or that. next year. Yeah, you yeah, got to come no, to Columbus. I, I love that. No, my, my sister and her brother. I mean, I said her brother. My, I'm her brother. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> my sister's brother-in-law live in Columbus. My sister and her husband live oh, in Columbus. Really? Well, there's room and yeah. board. <laughs> and she got... She got um, a couple copies of Wild Bullets at... I don't remember the comic book shop now. Laughing um, Ogre. Laughing Ogre, yeah. yeah. Yes. That, that so one seems to be big for indie titles. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you can still get them there, but they had some copies of Wild Bullets that she that she sold them uh, when she was down. I mean, she's down there all the time, but she took some down there with her. We'll have to check that out. That's uh, mm-hmm. one of the two best comic book stores in Columbus, oh, I'd yeah. say. Yep. Easily. It's a great yeah, store. I, I was going to say Giggling Troll, but I knew it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I wish it was called the Giggling Troll. (laughs) Now, that sounds like some sort of pervert on the Internet. (laughs) (laughs) And there's plenty of those, too. 
Yeah. I'm the giggling troll. <laughs> you look fat. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, Greg, this has been a blast. And we're going to uh, put up on our website links uh, for people, one, to get to Wild Bullets. But, yeah, as these other projects come available, you'll have to uh, let us know and, you know, shoot us some links and information we can help promote for you. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I'm going to next year. We're just going to be blitzing everybody all the time. So it, it's going to be great. I'm hearing that a lot, yeah. even for us. I mean, 2016, we're going to be uh, really going at it. But everyone we've had on the show says 2016 yeah, is the year, this man. Is the so year. <laughs> we, we've got a lot of good stuff coming toward us, huh? Oh, yeah, this is going to be great. And, and the thing is that, uh, like I said, we've had these advanced copies of, of Monstrous that we've shown to people. And just people light up like a Christmas tree. They love this stuff. Uh, because there's got to be some part of your, your brain, especially if you're even slightly nerdy, that it's got to touch some part of your brain where you're like, wait a minute, steampunk robots and monsters, Bring it and on. it's like a Western, yeah. and they're shooting each other with blasting rays and stuff. And Oh, yeah. Uh, at one point, the, there's like three bumbling monsters that are like the three stooges. There's really something for everybody. <laughs> well, there was more than one in there for me. You had me at robots, but then you just stole my heart with westerns. I, I love that. Steampunk robots got me. Yeah. So, yeah, if, uh, if, if you wanted to send us something to look <laughs> at, I mean, that'd be absolutely, great. But... <laughs> absolutely. I'll send stuff your way. I can't believe I didn't get you a copy of Wild Bullets. I can do that. <laughs> that yeah, that would be great, too. I've totally forgot until the day before i was like well we got the preview we've got the preview to look at anyway oh well greg i want to thank you so much again for being on the show and uh yeah keep us in the loop and we'll definitely get you back sometime all right excellent thank you so much i appreciate the opportunity jack what do we have on the website we have the show blog where you can see the show notes the guests what we talked about on the episodes and the guests where to find them on their social media and find their projects uh we have our youtube video page uh, what else we we changed it up so yeah I'm trying to remember <laughs> the Hall of Heroes uh, pretty much just the the episode archive and I think that's it contact page and that's it all kinds of goodies on yeah. there and don't forget to find us on Twitter at Canned Air Pod and Instagram at Canned underscore Air uh, like find Jackson. us on Facebook yes Facebook we've got some projects coming up mm-hmm. um, one we mentioned earlier but. I don't think we've given any any details up to, as of yet. I think we should, though. Yeah. So what we're doing is um, we got a lot of good feedback on the uh, TMNT trailer that we recorded. Not that it was good. It was horrible. Yeah, but it, it was, was horrible. It was just fun. <laughs> and, but uh, people responded very well to it. So what we are doing is we are putting together an audio movie an audio Star Wars fan fiction movie that's going to be complete with sound effects music and uh, us <laughs> acting yeah. <laughs> but and we wrote the dialogue yeah yeah so be kind we're not writers <laughs> we're, we're podcasters <laughs> but uh, it ought to be a lot of fun it's shaping up to sound pretty cool and uh, yeah it's going to be a whole new adventure with whole new characters and that is scheduled to be out on December 18th, the same day as The Force Awakens release. So if you didn't get uh, your movie ticket yet and you're sulking in the corner like, (laughs) I gotta wait till the middle of the week to watch Force Awakens rest assured, you have something to listen to. You have a new Star Wars adventure that you'll be able to listen to. So, await that anxiously. Oh, yeah, and then there's that video we're working on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get that out to you folks eventually. And then um, 
just gonna say this really quick. Sometime after Christmas, we're look at, looking at actually having uh, cartoons to watch on YouTube. Mm. Like a, an extension of the Candare uh, TV network, I guess it would be, or yeah. whatever. But uh, yeah, you're gonna be able to watch classic Merry Melodies and Looney Tunes cartoons, as well as some uh, classic Superman cartoons. So, keep nice. an eye for that in uh, early 2016. Anything else? Con Radio. Oh, yes. Again, we got to announce we are part of Wizard World's Con Radio, so we are expecting to be on there toward the end of November. November, yep. Maybe by the time this airs, hopefully. Hopefully. Here's hoping. But we're in. They said we were in. Yep, we're there. We're there. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. And I am Greg Wright, and I feel like a dunce because I didn't mention Spaceballs, and this is canned air. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot about that one, too. You feel like a dunce. We should feel like the dunce. I just looked, oh. I just looked at that picture the other day with uh, Mel, Brooks. Mel Brooks sniffing the can of air that we got. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, there's always next time. Yep, yep. We're going to be doing this again. That and the fifth element. Oh, you see, you see what uh, what Greg did there in the last two seconds of the show brought us down a peg. <laughs> that, that, that's just my gamesmanship. What can I say? <laughs> All right. Well, until next, I don't even know. Should we sign off again? Which, how should we do it? I'm still Greg Wright. <laughs> He's still Greg Wright. And he said it before us. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Whenever there's a fire in your house, be sure to get outside immediately. And once outside, get on CandarePodcast.com. Well, thanks for the tip, Blowtorch, but just one question. What about the fire? And no one is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Narrating with her. Yeah, so, uh... The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains, will discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting, and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show.